oh my god, we've got something here. There's something magical about this interactive kind of show that we can do. And so that's when we started. And now we've done more than a hundred shows and we've more than tripled the artist take home from these shows. And that to me is a remarkable feat. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I want to welcome you to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And on today's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Laura Simpson from Side Door. Now, they were originally started a few years ago to help match up artists and hosts for things like house concerts and kind of alternative venues. And, um, you know, they've been kind of called the Airbnb of concerts, which I really love that concept. And as you probably know from listening to the show, I'm a huge fan of house concerts. But of course, we can't be doing that right now, not in this new COVID era. So what they had to immediately do, uh, and she'll talk a little bit about this, how they had this great thing going with South by Southwest, and they have all had all these awesome partnerships, and then everything just got canceled. And they had to immediately pivot and shift. And what they found in doing that is that they could shift to online concerts and provide something really cool for fans and for artists and also hosts. And it's allowed them to shift into an area they probably never would have. And it's something that they'll be able to offer in the future. Once they're bringing back these in-person concerts, this will just be another part of their business. So it's exciting how this happening has opened up a new part of their business, a new service that they can offer for artists and hosts, and a new really cool thing for artists to try out. And as you'll hear Laura say, the artists are doing really well with this. So as far as income-wise, you'll you'll be amazed when you hear what she says. So um, I'm excited to introduce you to Laura and everything that they're doing over there at Side Door. Before we get into that, I just want to mention, since we're talking about live streaming, that's something I talk about in my 15 streams of income to tap right now to create a sustainable income from music. And I talk a lot about live streaming. This is something that I've really been helping my academy members accomplish. A lot of them have felt really uncomfortable about live streaming. They've been meaning to do it and just haven't gotten around to it, but now you know, this is the only way they can perform. So in a way, it's really been a blessing to push them out of their comfort zone and make them have to do it. And I know it's something they'll be doing in the future, something that they'll be adding uh, as a potential income stream and just another way to connect with their fans. So uh, if you haven't grabbed the 15 streams of income resource that I have, be sure and go over to F is in female, E is an entrepreneur, musician.com. That's our website, Femme Musician. It's right there on the front page. 
And if you're thinking, wow, this academy thing sounds really cool, I could really use a kick in the butt to do some of this stuff and have a group supporting me and guiding me along the way, I encourage you to go check out my workshop that kind of shows how I set up my academy, um, the way that people move through the training and just understanding the musician's profit path framework. And you can do that at musiciansprofitpath.com. Okay, so let us get into my interview with Laura Simpson from Side Door. All right, I am here with Laura and she is from Side Door and I'm so excited to have her here. I actually heard her uh, co-founder on Rick Barker's podcast talking about their service and how they've pivoted during this time and I got really excited about what they're doing. So I was reaching out to them like we have to have you on the podcast. So um, before we get into side door, I'd love to know, Laura, how um, how did you get started in music and how did it all lead up to where you are now? So when I started out in the music industry, I think it was just like anyone else. I was a fan of music and I was hanging around musicians and going to gigs as a young kid at all ages clubs. And one of my first things was definitely defending my friends, trying to make sure that they were getting paid correctly. Um, and then I, I really got into writing. So I was a freelance journalist as a young adult. And that actually um, also translated into taking photographs. And so I was doing live music photography. That was my first actually paid gig was getting paid to take a picture of a live concert um, that turned out to be an album cover. Um, and then I did a little bit of everything in terms of helping out with bands but then my journalism kind of took off and I and I ended up being a journalist for seven years and doing that um, uh, and then kind of pivoted back to music after a while and uh, worked at a nonprofit actually that helped artists with the uh, music business side of things and just developing their careers. And I worked as a funding program officer to help artists export their music and um, get funded for it. And uh, then I really wanted to do something in live music because all of my vacation days I was taking to work um, at festivals and I was promoting my own shows at my own house and I was doing lots of stuff with live. I was learning about the technical side of things, about just booking and contracts and just the crazy fiasco that can be and uh, the complicated ways that artists need to earn a living, especially um, being squeezed out with every other way of earning revenue in this industry live live music was where it was at. And um, yeah, so I decided that uh, there was something in live music, especially in these beautiful shows that I was able to host at my own house, where I could give the artists all of the money. And it felt like it was the best experience. So that was sort of my foundational years in the music industry working at all of those gigs. Oh, and I totally left out. I worked in Los Angeles for <laughs> four months and uh, yeah, just worked in the biggest music uh, market um, in California, you know, just trying to learn the ropes and, and really figure out what it was like in the epicenter there. Um, so that's that's all where my foundation in music came from. 
So after I left the nonprofit for music, I started my first company, which is called The Syrup Factory, and it's still going. It's sort of like, um, you know, management or project support for hire. So we would help people release their albums or put out a video or um, just represent them at festivals and conferences and that sort of thing. And in a way, it was just because we knew so many artists who did not have representation, did not have support, did not have a team, but were just amazing. And in Canada, especially, there was a lot of um, funding that you could access for support, but there wasn't necessarily a lot of support out there. So we were doing sort of mini projects to help artists when they really needed it. And that company's still going today. And um, I just basically handed it off to my partner, who was my first employee, and um, she's managing it day to day today. And and I'm really proud of that start. But it wasn't exactly what I meant to start when I first started. I was I was always wanting to start side door. I just didn't know how to do it yet. Awesome. So tell us, like, so I've seen or I've heard you guys talk about side door in that it's kind. Of, it was kind of started as like the Airbnb for like concerts or like house concerts kinds of thing. Is that, is that what you had in mind when you first started it? Side Door was an idea born out of how to make live music a better experience um, for artists. Uh, in a lot of ways, they were, I was watching artists, especially the ones that I dearly loved, um, coming back tour after tour without making any money on these grueling tours. Um you know, they'd make, they'd make enough to get by, but they were mostly just paying out the band and paying for the costs of touring and that sort of thing. And I wanted to give them a little more assurance in their experience. And so I really saw a solution in these house concerts that I was doing. And so I was looking for a way to simplify the booking process um, for house concerts. Meanwhile, I met uh, Dan Mangan through a mutual friend because Dan, who's an artist on the west coast of Canada, was doing a similar thing. He was an artist. He started out with house concerts. He had created his career on that deeply, you know, making relationships deeply with um, audience members who had met him in the early days. And he was basically helping out uh, artists on his sub-label to get these shows and develop their audiences. And so we had conceived of, you know, there's something in and around these tiny, intimate, wonderful shows that can we can help people with. Um, so it was just a super seed of an idea for both of us. And then uh, he was still a full-time artist. And so I basically went back to school, as it were, and started developing the business idea. And then we workshopped it together into what it became, which is a tech platform. And that is a bit of a game changer because entering this startup tech world in, in the music industry is kind of nuts, <laughs> I will say. Um, but really, it is the best place to create a fair, transparent um, you know, platform that's really going to champion the artist and give them agency to be able to book shows how they wanted to do it. So the idea was recruit all the best artists and help them um, find the best spaces to play in. So we started with houses and then we got community centers and churches and breweries and public spaces. 
And all of these places we would basically match make um, based on preference of where they wanted to play. And the hosts of these venues would be like, well, we're looking for, you know, this kind of artist or whatever. And these are places that wanted to do this, but they didn't know how. So we were helping both sides book a show. And then the third part of the marketplace was, of course, the audience. And they were the ones paying hard tickets for these shows. And they were leaving reviews. And all of these things were sort of like an Airbnb version of um, live concerts. But we really wanted to put the power in the hands of the artists so that it could feel like they had agency and clarity in this process. And it was really giving access to a lot of fans to do the shows. Mm, I love that. I mean, I'm a huge fan of house concerts, huge fan of non-traditional shows because a lot of people come into my world and they're like, I don't want to play at bars and restaurants. And you, you know, it opens up a whole nother area to them. Uh, but I can imagine that when this whole COVID thing hit, it really changed your business because suddenly it was impossible to do most of the things that you guys were offering. So I know you guys made a big pivot. What did you guys do? And how did you not like immediately freak out when all this happened? Oh, we freaked out. There's there's no (laughs) question about that. So Side Door had developed over a couple of years of work. Um, We had built it to 20, I think we had 2,200 artists at the beginning of March and we had about 7,500 um, venues all over North America. We had um, booked more than 700 shows. And we had done amazing shows all over North America. Everything from, you know, tiny little shows in people's living rooms to um, pretty large shows in like skate parks and that sort of thing. And all over the place. And we were having a great time. We had a partnership booked with South by Southwest. And we were touring artists from their hometowns down to Austin um, in partnership with them so that we would help the artists basically get rehearsed and some buzz and some money in their pocket on the way down to South by because it's just really hard to go to South by Southwest and feel like you're going to make a mark. So that was a big project we had been doing for months and sunk a lot of money and time into it. Um, And it was a huge recruitment effort to basically carve tour routes all over North America. And right before we were about to launch our tour, like days before these artists were about to tour, that's when South by was canceled. And that's when we started to cancel everything as well. And um, it was really heartbreaking because it was a conversation we had to have with every single artist and host because the way our platform work works is that we are the engine, we are the facilitator, we are the connector, um, but we can't dictate what people do. So it was all, every single cancellation was a conversation um, about what do you want to do? And of course, everybody wanted to cancel because at that point there was no shutting down or um you know resting in place and that sort of thing so it it was really difficult nobody knew what was going to happen and then I think we um were in the fetal position for about a week (laughs) my my co-founder Dan who was on at the time on a sold out tour around Canada he 
had to cancel that. And, you know, within a week, we started talking about booking online shows. And it's something that we had talked about before, but it wasn't something that we had really dug into. And so we started, I booked like a workshop um, with an artist I knew, and he actually booked a proper show on our platform um, on Zoom. And Zoom was something we'd always used because he's in, you know, he's four hours time zone difference from where we are. And so we'd always communicated via Zoom. So it was a platform we knew well. And that first show I remember watching, and then I could see everyone in the audience watching from their homes with their families and their pets. And it just felt magic. I felt like I was with people and that it was going to be okay. And it really just gave me hope for the first time in what felt like just a series of terrible events. And I called him right after the show. And I remember looking at his face thinking, oh my God, we've got something here. There's something magical about this interactive kind of show that we can do. Um, And so that's when we started. And now we've done more than a hundred shows and we've more than tripled the artist take home from these shows. And that to me is a remarkable feat. (laughs) And we've realized that this is not a replacement for live shows. We're not going to stop doing live shows in the long run. Like we want to continue doing that if that's possible when it's safe, but that online shows shows are something we absolutely can add to what we offer artists and, and enable them to connect with their fans. Mm. That is so cool. And, and it is cool to connect people in their own environment. Like you said, like they've got the, the dog and the kids and all that stuff. That's, that's really fun. And, and almost something that, can't I mean it can't really be reproduced any other way which is really cool so do you guys recommend zoom or do you have other third-party apps that other people are using yeah this is a great question because you know artists in your your audience feel this pain spot that you constantly trying to figure out platforms and which is the best to use and then learn something and they find something better and so for us, you know, we can't turn around and build a streaming platform tomorrow. So we do have to rely on third-party services for now until we can, you know, find uh, a better solution. And we're actually almost there. Um, so Zoom is our preference because of the interactivity. I think you really get something special when you do that. The other thing uh, that I really always have championed is putting a hard ticket on these shows. You know, there's live streams all over the place, but most of them are free or by donation. And what we're saying is these are shows that you are producing with a sense of a plan beforehand. People are going to show up. And in many cases, people open the quote unquote doors online in this waiting room and they leave it open for an hour and the audience chatting in the, in the um, side of things. And, you know, just sharing stories about their favorite experiences with this artist. And then they, you know, come on and everybody has their videos on. Not everyone, but the people who feel comfortable with it. And the artist can see the audience. And, you know, instead of, again, what Dan has been calling blind casting, where you're sort of performing into the void and once in a while seeing some chat or emojis come up, in this case, you are seeing people's reactions. 
And in some cases, we're, we've experimented unmuting everyone at the applause moment and seeing what that cacophony can do, um, which is hilarious and joyful. Um, but it really feels like that interactivity level is, is something really special. But the cap of the Zoom call, so either if you have no paid account, the 100 cap, which is totally fine for many artists. But if you think you can sell more, of course, you can add more to that capacity. And that creates scarcity. And scarcity is the only thing we have left in this music industry to create value. And so if it's a ticket, you're going to come and show up. It's going to be a great show. And it's not going to be posted anywhere later on. Most of these shows are just happening, and then they're done. And it's only for those people who bought a ticket. And I think that makes it really special. Yeah, I love that, that you're like, scarcity is the only thing we have left. And that is true. I mean, so, you know, live streaming is free on Facebook and streaming our music is free. And yeah, so we need to come up with something that's all about the experience. And so I love the way that you guys are focusing on the experience and the interactivity in this situation. Now, so people are buying tickets to this. Are they also donating in some way or maybe buying merch during the show or anything and like how much are people charging for these shows the average ticket price uh which we're not setting but you know we're sort of putting out what the average is out there so people have a gauge of what might be you know fair the average price is between seven and eight dollars um and that seems to be across the board whether it's american shows canadian shows european shows um it's around you know, seven, between five and six maybe for um, US is a little lower. Um, I, I find that that's sort of the sweet spot and what people are doing, because we don't have the donation, the pay what you can model set up yet. It is coming really soon, tiered pricing and pay what you can. Um, but what people have done in the meantime is they just put a super low uh, price on it if that's really what they feel they need to do. And then people are buying multiple, you know, tickets so that they increase their, their payment um, to the artist. The other thing is that people have, you know, when they're doing the show, they've put up their PayPal or Venmo link in the chat. And so anyone who feels like tipping can do that. And that's been very successful for artists as well. Same goes for merch. There's a lot of communication around, you know, you can, you can buy this merch here. There's a um, Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies has been doing a weekly show with us. And uh, he actually created t-shirts that are about, you know, doing, doing these shows from home. I think they're called Live From Home. And so he's been selling these t-shirts and people are showing up at the subsequent shows wearing their t-shirts uh, dedicated to this audience, which is a really great idea. But, you know, we're moving towards um, being able to embed these shows directly into the show page where you buy your tickets. So the window box of the picture that you would see for the show becomes the video that you watch. That allows the window dressing around that embedded video to be all your social links, your website, your merch links, your donation link, message to guests, all of those things. So it's sort of like that virtual venue where everything is right there when you need it. That's very cool. I love that you're going to have that embeddable option because that, that'll be really useful, I'm sure. I'm curious. So like the wording around buying the tickets, because if you're thinking about it, it's like it's one broadcast per home, right? So you could have 10 people there 
and they'd be seeing the yeah. same thing as the one person. So do you kind of say like suggested amount per person or something so people can kind of think, oh, I should really pay $18 if three of us are going to watch it? You know what? We have seen so many people just buying more than they need rather than less than they need. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're actively and, and very soon going to have better ticket security because right now you could essentially take the link and share it, um, which is a barrier to entry for a lot of the bigger artists that we're working on. But, you know, not any, like we haven't seen people doing it. And the bottom line, and I keep coming back to this, is that the kind of audience that I think we've developed over the years are people that just are music fans. And they would just, they just want to give the artist money. And we're giving them a way to give the artist money. So we don't even have to suggest, you know, buy as many tickets as the people in the house. People are just doing that. Not only are they doing that, but they're buying like 10 tickets. Then mm. right on the ticket page, you can actually put in a bunch of emails of people that you want to send those tickets to. And when the tickets are at the price of a nice coffee, people are really doing that. They're just like, hey, do this, watch this show with me. And they're watching, you know, I was watching a great Mother's Day show the other day with my mom who's in Florida, you know, however far away that is. And, you know, I, we can't be together, but we can watch a show together. So that's really special. That is cool. And I, and I think you're right about the, the kinds of fans that are coming to these shows are not going to be the ones that are going to stiff anyone. They're going to want to overgive like you said, and I love the idea of being able to send tickets to other people by being able to pay for them. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, it's been, it's been really delightful. We've seen like um, uh, employers buying tickets for their staff as a present. Um, we actually have done a, a couple of private great show. So um, we did a show for kids who were, in, who were in a rehab hospital in Toronto and they had been isolated from their family. And so their families watched their show with the, the kids who were stuck in the hospital when they couldn't be together, which was, you know, the most heart, you know, heart string pulling show that you can imagine. Um, and so that's, yeah, I think that's really um, helpful, especially when people are like looking for ways to connect other than, you know, I think the Zoom fatigue is real, but oftentimes when you're on video chat with each other, it's because you're the focus, you're in the spotlight, you're the one who has to do the things. When you're more engaged in a, in a way that somebody else is the focus and you can kind of share the experience with somebody else, it kind of takes that pressure off. Yeah, that's true. And, and Zoom fatigue is real. Like I definitely have it <laughs> during this time, but yeah, it's, it's, a different, it's a different thing. Like you said, I don't, I don't, you don't have to be on, you just get to enjoy which is very fun. So what's, That's what's right. kind of the average amount that people are making on these shows? So our average is between 1600 and 1700 a show. Holy moly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, the, yeah, it is. And uh, you know, so because here's the, here's some metrics around this. We of course do allow other platforms other than Zoom because we've been really championing Zoom. That's what most people are using. And then most people, their capacities, I think the average ticket capacity, I actually have it here. The average ticket capacity is around 230 to 250. 
So that's how many tickets are, sorry, not capacity, that's how many tickets are being sold. And so the average capacity, so people in those cases are, are likely, what they're doing is they're buying the 500 cap for the Zoom meets. Mm. And so that, that capacity actually like spurs people to buy tickets faster, which is great because we've had so many sellouts. You know, the first sellout we did, people were like, wait, what do you mean there's a sellout for an online show? But now there's people who do, especially the ones who do weekly shows, they know that as soon as they put the next one on, it will sell out because they the, the fans know that there's scarcity. And you'll see the same 200 fans every week buying mm. those tickets. So there's real opportunity there to build an audience and expand it because our whole thing after this is to really work on audience development. I, I'm so sick of ticket companies that take your money and do nothing for you. Mm. We want to be a ticket company that champions the audience because they're the ones giving the money. They're the ones who are showing up. They're the ones who are, you know, putting their, their time and love back into the artist. And so we as a company can in, encourage good behavior by saying, Hey, you went to five shows, you get the next one free hey, you bought a subscription, you get some extra perks. Like there's so much we can do by having audience accounts and then develop that out for artists to say, look, this is a way that you can contribute to me. And, and for so many artists, it's very difficult to ask for money. It's very difficult to price things themselves. But when you have a third party helping you out, it often takes that pressure off because, you know, you see other people doing it. You're part of an ecosystem. It's a little less icky. Oh, I love that. And I know artists will love that because you're right. It is, it is uncomfortable for a lot of artists to talk about money, ask for money, come up with a price. They never, they always undervalue themselves, you know, but if they can see what other people are doing, that's really helpful. So I love that you guys are doing that. Um, I wanted to talk about hosts because I know when I'm encouraging artists to do house concerts, they're always like, how do I find hosts? You know, it's so hard to get into these networks of house concerts. And so with this online, um, you know, what kind of people are hosting and how are you, how are hosts getting matched up with artists? So that was one of our technical challenges when we first started because, you know, of course you don't need a host to create these shows, but you know, what we found is that it's very helpful to have someone either on the promotion side with you and or in the show, helping to moderate the chat, just ensure that you sound good, you know, like just tell you if, you know, you've got spinach in your teeth or something, you know, like just a buddy really, who's going to be there in the show. Um, and we've had some great uh, existing real life hosts. Uh, you know, we have about 750 in our platform all over North America and they have stepped up and they've taken that role of, you know, again, either being the promoter and bringing their audience to the show or they're acting in this sort of moderator role. And sometimes they're doing sound checks if they have technical experience. Those folks, um, we are still uh, enabling the matchmaking system because that is still in place on our platform. That's how we, that's how everybody met before. It was kind of like the Tinder style uh, mm -hmm. matchmaking of like, okay, these are my preferences and those are your preferences. Is this a match? Okay, it is. And then they would go into a show chat and create the show. The same applies in these shows that, you know, we're working towards a huge marketplace of 
who contributes to a show? Who can make a show great? How do we connect them effectively? So you can be matched based on the things that you're looking for, but also then look at their profiles and say, okay, there's lots of great reviews here. They've done 10 shows. I can see the results of their efforts. Great, let's match and then we'll create a show together. So that's the sort of direction we're moving towards um, for the online shows, which is something that we were already doing for the real life shows. Hmm. Now, have you seen like artists co-promoting a show, like doing a show together to both of their fan bases? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a couple of iterations and this is the, you know, it's such hard times right now, but it's also such creative, innovative times for those who are, you know, have the energy and wherewithal to do this. So right away, Dan, you know, was one of the first people that I saw do this was, he would sing a few songs and then he would bring in a surprise guest who would sing like two songs and talk a little bit with him. And then, you know, a week later you'd see that person would have a show on side door. And then those people who went to that show would go to the new artist's show, you know, the one that they've just discovered. Mm. And so that's happening often. And we're really looking forward to um, developing a project where, and, and this is really important because emerging artists are kind of getting swamped right now. It's really hard to be heard. And so I really want to start developing more of a, you know, song circle slash virtual open mic where it's maybe a couple of songs per artists at a time but it's promoted well it's got a curator the curator could be you know a festival or venue or a particular tastemaker that can actually say i'm going to select these emerging artists that maybe you don't know but they're great and so they can go on and share the virtual stage and be in their respective homes and take the mic for however long and that's a really great way to discover new artists without you know exhausting the audience who, you know, may or may not buy a ticket with somebody that they don't know. Yeah. Oh, I could see doing that um, for our women of substance platform. You know, we've been around since 2007 and we used to do live showcases. Uh, we've, I think we did three or four in LA area and a few in the other parts of the country that I had other people run. Um, but I could completely imagine doing this on this platform of like, okay, we're going to choose these five artists that have really been popular on the podcast lately and doing a show with them. That could be amazing. Absolutely. And, and the great thing about that is that you as the curator have an opportunity to be in the show with them, just like you would in a real life situation. So you're in between maybe saying, okay, I'm going to give an intro to this artist and you're helping the audience learn more about them. You can help, you know, have someone or yourself run the chat and like drop links in there when they're talking about something. And it's a real, you know, informed way to interact with the audience um, who can then learn about the artists that you really care about. Oh, I, I mean, I really love that. I'm feeling like I need to go ahead and start thinking about doing one of these because I think it would be amazing for our artists and their fans and communities and all that. So if I were to do that, like say I was the host, how does the back end work as far as like people buy tickets and then like, how do the artists get paid? How do I get paid? How do you get paid? All that. So that was one of the first things that we actually coded. 
you know, we had been booking shows for almost a year and we were doing a lot of free software and APIs and contract coders and that sort of thing. But Dan and I are not coders. So <laughs> us and the staff and a lot of them were volunteers at that time. We were just doing what I call human computering to figure out what is the things, what are the things that we need to take care of in order for the show to be great. So the first thing we actually did was the ticketing part of the system, which meant that you create a contract, you get matched with whoever you're going to do it with, and then you're entered into the show booking flow, which is essentially like there's a chat where you can just chat with the people who are involved in the show. That might be multiple, multiple people. It might just be you and the artist. It might just you know, be, be us and the artist. <laughs> but they essentially are taken through very simple steps. What time is the show? What day is the show? What time zone is the show? Mm. Uh, you know, what are the details that you need to mention to your guests? Do you need them all to wear silly hats to this show? You know, what are, what are the things that you have to tell everyone? There are reminders sent out to the audience, all the communication and support, customer support, all that stuff is handled by us. You just put all the details in there, including your direct deposit information. And so this is all through Stripe Connect. It's automatically through our site. And you decide in the split, say, you know, I'm going to on this ticket uh, for $10. We're going to have a cap of 100 people. And then you can slide the split bar back and forth. It's literally a bar that you slide. And it will show, according to how many people are in the show, what the split will be. So you can say, OK, I'm going to free. You're going to take 10% for being the curator. And the artist then is going to take 80. And side door, the standard that we take is 10%, which is the average for the booking rate in this industry. Not to mention, it also includes the ticket fee. So we do it for 10%, and the 90%, you can figure out what the split is. And that contract, which you sign electronically, and you know as well as I do that signing a contract in this industry is just rare and, <laughs> and, and just never happens. And we were doing too many things by cash and on napkins and we really need some more transparency here. So you sign the contract and that contract actually automatically dictates how the ticket upon purchase is split. So the audience goes in, they can see the ticket link, they can see, it's just like any other ticketing interface that you would go on except when you hit the arrow on the ticket price, you can see exactly where the money is going. You can see how much side door is taking. You can see how much we're paying to the performance royalty organizations. You can see how much taxes are taken out, everything. And we also did it so the price is the price. So if it's $10, everything is backed out of there. If you think mm -hmm. you're paying $10 for a show, you're paying $10 for a show. Everything else is backed out. So then the person buys the ticket and as soon as they buy a ticket, that money is actually split according to the contract and held in escrow until the show is complete and then automatically deposited into your account. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing you built all that complexity. So let's just say I sold a ticket for $10 and I get the whole like percentages, um, you know, side door and me and all that, but like all those other things. So royalties and taxes and credit card fees and all that. So let's say I'm supposed to get 50% of that. How much do you think I would get? I'm not going to get $5, right? Because there's all those other things coming out first. Right. So this is where the, the, 
before you're in that stage, you get to see exactly what that is. So in that show booking phrase that I was talking about sliding the bar, you -hmm. could put one, you know, like you're going to sell one ticket for however many um, dollars, like, so one ticket for $10, and then you would exactly see what the split is. So for you, it's, you know, I can't do the math in my head, but essentially off the gross, we take 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction for Stripe. That is across the board, we totally. pay with PayPal. It's a payment processor fee that comes off the gross. And then the taxes are, um, the taxes are also um, applied uh, before the Stripe fee is applied. So whatever taxes, if they're being applied and they're not always being applied, the, the tax is actually in this world applied according to who is charging tax. So we as side door have to charge tax. So we charge tax according to what we have to charge. If the artist is not in Canada, you have to make 30,000 a year before you need to charge tax. If they don't need to charge tax, they don't charge tax. So that's all worked out in the back end. And so the tax is according to the, the user who needs to charge for it and it also included. And then you have um, the PROs. So that's in Canada. It's, it's for the broadcast license for the the online sphere, that's 2.99% of the gross. That all comes off the gross. And so then we're working with whatever is left. So it's around, for us, it's about 9.3% that we actually take out of the 100%. And so for you, it would be like, you know, similar. If you were taking 10%, you would take 9.3%. So it. essentially, yeah. So that's so that's the way it's broken. Out. So everybody essentially shares those those costs off the top, and then the split comes out of the net remaining. Makes sense. No, forgive me. I'm an accountant in another life. So I just really wanted to know, like, because, you know, people here, 50, if I'm going to get 50%, like they need to know they're not actually going to get 50%. And that's just how it is in life because there's all these other costs and stuff. So it's good to know going in. And that's cool that you make that really transparent when you're going in there and setting it up. Oh, I agree. Like when I was a funding program officer and, you know, constantly hearing artists coming back with a loss, you know, we'd we'd fund them and then come back with a loss and that's not unusual, but it was, it it shouldn't be a surprise. You know what I mean? So like, Mm -hmm. let's make less surprises in the music industry, especially around money. Totally. So another thing that I love about you, what you guys do is that like anyone can be a promoter. Right. So you don't have to be a person that was used to having house concerts and has any experience. If you just feel like you have a big group of friends that would love this style of music, you could just go and partner with an artist and you could do a deal and make money off of a concert for your efforts as the promoter, which I think is absolutely valid. Like that's that's a skill that should be paid for. So anyone can do that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's incredible, like, before we went online to see these, you know, average, quote unquote, average shows becoming superstars on the platform because of their efforts as a host. You know, when I was hosting, I had friends who were saying, you know, well, that's just because you work in the music industry, you know how it works, you know people. I was like, no, no, it's really simple. And that was part of the impetus to make this was because I wanted anyone to be able to participate. And again, it's back to like championing the fan, 
championing the people who are passionate and really care. Like our whole goal with this company is to create a community of folks that just want to contribute. So whatever they can bring to the potluck, that's on and you can find the people that you want to work with. And it's also not about like us being a curator. We don't say what's good or bad. We're going to just make it possible for you to find what you're looking for. So if you're totally into goth klezmer music, go for it. Find your people, find the audience and we'll make it happen. And speaking of that, do you have something built in, you know, kind of like Spotify has Discover Weekly, where you're kind of offering up things to people as they come in based upon what concerts they've been to in the past? We are not doing that automatically yet, but it is very close. We are very, very close to having that sort of like suggesting mm-hmm. based on previous experiences and yeah the the spotify um analogy is correct like that's sort of you know as much as spotify is loathed by many people in the industry there's also some great things about it discovery tools are are absolutely great what we're actually looking towards is having um more uh conversations apis between things like Spotify and our platform so that when you sign up as an audience, you can say, okay, well, this is what I'm listening to. We can say, oh, great. This is who you should go and see. You know, that's really where we want to get to. We were already doing this manually by, you know, help, helping artists say, okay, well, I can see my listeners are here, here, and here. Therefore, let's try to book a tour there. And we would then relate that back to the host and say, you know, this person is touring in your area. And then lo and behold, we'd find that there was um, connections lighting up. That's awesome. I love that. And as a user, I mean, like you say, Spotify is loathed by people in the industry for many reasons, but for many reasons, it's an amazing platform of discovery. And as a user, I absolutely love it for that reason, because I've discovered things that I never would have discovered before. And you artists, you should love it for that reason too, (laughs) because I discovered you and I never would have discovered you just because you sounded like somebody that I also like. So um, I love that you guys are building that in. And I I know with a a tech company, there's always like this huge to-do list of things that you want to add to your site. And if people are like, oh, does it do this? Does it do that? You know, you guys have already added so much great value, um, but it's good to know what's on the horizon. Yeah, it's so true. And and I think our North Star that we keep following is, you know, what is going to give people satisfaction? What's going to give them agency to act, to create this show, and then give them satisfaction and joy on the other end? Because our nucleus is the show. What brings everybody together? Where does it all happen? It's the show. But it's actually the one thing that we don't create or produce we are the ones who help connect the people to make that happen. So as long as we can make that job easier, then we're doing what we want to do. Mm, It's always good to to know what your mission is for sure. Well, this has been really, really helpful. I have got one more question for you before we close out. And that is, how do you think this whole time period where we're having to go online and all that stuff, how do you think that's going to change kind of this concert industry forever? You know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately and the online shows do not replace real life shows. They can't, it's, it's something different. Um, and 
you know, my husband, who's a filmmaker, said this to me the other day, and I really agree with this. He said, it's like when television came along and cinema was like, oh, no, we're tanked, you know. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen because it's a different experience. It's, it's, you know, you're expecting different things from doing those. And so I think, actually, this is a brand new world that we can really experiment with. And I want artists to ask the question, like, what can I do with this medium? What isn't available to me when I'm trying to do a show that is available here. You know, like just one little anecdote about this, but an artist who I've known love for years did a show and she was cross-legged on our living room floor. And, you know, she was telling this story and she's kind of dressed really casually. And she's like, well, I, I wanted to tell you that I'm doing the show from here because it's Mother's Day. And, you know, this is where I actually birthed to my two children uh, in this room. And she's describing how amazing it is to, like, because she had invited all these mothers and daughters to write into the show. And so throughout the show, she had been spotlighting each mother and daughter to tell the story about, you know, like, just say hello to each other or like send best wishes. And it was incredibly moving, incredibly moving. And I had never, I've known this artist for years. I've never seen her so tender and vulnerable and just so honest and real. And that was something that I thought this can't happen in real life. So this is exciting. It's a great, exciting time. I know it feels terrifying and we're really, really looking forward to just helping people over that first hump of the first show and just getting their feet wet, because I think once they get in, they'll realize there's a whole new world of opportunity that will exist beyond isolation, beyond COVID-19. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is something that we can dive into now because it's the only option we have, but it's just going to be another tool for our tool belt later of how we can connect with fans. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think it's building resilience as well um, because, and your self-reliance because in a lot of ways you are head cook and bottle washer in times of, you know, creating these shows. And again, that's why we're trying to connect people with other supports because, you know, really at this time, and, and it's, it's felt like this, I hope it's felt like this for other people. There's been a lot of reaching out. There's been a lot of reinforcement of relationships. There's been a lot of sort of recognition of why are we doing this? And so if you can come from a place of like understanding, you know, who's got my back? What do I really care about? What do I really want to do? Then that's a great place to create from. Yeah, for sure. Well, let them know how can they connect with Side Door? How can they get started? So you can go to sidedooraccess.com. And right at the top, it says book an online show. There's a page there that kind of breaks down everything, how it goes. Uh, and then you can jump right in. It takes about five minutes to create an online show without a host, uh, without a connection. You can do it on your own. We saw somebody last night book a show less than an hour before they actually did it. And we thought, oh, that was maybe a little too early. Um, but you can absolutely do it yourself. We are fully staffed in our customer support team and we're working for every single show. There's a staffer online to help you and the audience get through any of the hiccups that may come up. So um, you can do it yourself, but be sure that we've got your back. 
Awesome. And you guys be sure sidedooraccess.com. Don't go to sidedoor.com. That will not take you to the right place. So sidedooraccess.com. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been so, it's been such a great conversation too, just around what we can do as artists to really connect with our fans during this time and beyond. Yeah. And thanks to you, Brie. I mean, the industry really needs folks like you who don't just come in and do the things, but then actually tell people how to do the things. It's so important. So thanks for being a doer, a thinker, and just like a sharer of all this information. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's my passion. So I know it's your passion too. So we're on the same page with that. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com and music by Stella Ronson.